Bible Go time here on The Breakfast Show, which means it is Bible study time, it is text message time, it is quiz time, everything is happening. And it it's is, Lawson time. It right. is Lawson time. Let's go for it, Lawson. <laughs> right, for 400 points. Who besides Jews did Paul preach to every Sabbath day in the synagogue uh, in Corinth? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Uh, and if you give us a call, you can, for 400 points, win a book from our selection of bargain books. But again, that question was, who besides Paul, sorry, who besides the Jews did Paul preach to every Sabbath day in the synagogue in Corinth? All right. If you know, 0491-064-669. Let's see what we've got here for text messages. And let's go to, let me see here, we read that one. So the uh, the drones can be used in so many great ways. Finding the children is one. Unfortunately, they can also be used to kill people. The military found, <laughs> found a thousand ways to use them. So that's not such good news, but... <laughs> Especially as the story kind of focused on the Middle East. I was like, wow, you kind of got a real kind of dichotomy there of drone usage. That's intense. It's kind of everything we produce. Is, is it like, do we ever come up with an invention that is not weaponized? Yeah. Oh, we, we talked, like, the story directly preceding that was about social media. Yes. And how it's used terribly. Yes. And, yeah, there's another. Have, has there, have we ever invented anything as human beings that has not been weaponized? Hmm. 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 Maybe you can think of something. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. I'm sure there are things out there that like, have not been weaponized. I was weaponized. like tractors. But Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that in the I think it was the was the first world war or the second world war one of those two I think it was the second world war yes and it was in the second world war in New Zealand they invented a tank get lost right that went over the top of a tractor oh they're like rolling on the battlefield with a tractor well it was kind of like this new zealand was a long way from anywhere but they did have to defend themselves and they didn't have anything to defend themselves sort of with they didn't have a huge budget for their defense budget and they're like what can we do with what we have yeah and it's like well we've got a bunch of tractors in this country you know it's new zealand dude they had the so they made a tank that would literally fit over the top of a tractor and you could drive your tractor around and they had the sticks and stones of World War Two down there, bro. They did. They did. <laughs> That's they had the so sticks funny. And stones. Yeah, it's probably how World War Three. No, World War Three will be fought. World War Four will. We don't know what World War Three will be fought with, but we know that World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. So I think it was Einstein or someone said that. Mm. Um, where are we? Uh, Supreme Court. She's also known for letting pedophiles. And yeah, we talked about that. Uh, being given easy sentences, surely it speaks volumes. Zero chance for her to stop pedophile and porno sites. Uh, she is a political beast to say you don't know what is the definition of woman is insanity. Mm. If she can't judge the obvious, what are Americans to expect in the future? A destruction of their constitution and their rights. The last days are here. How much worse can it get? Well, much worse. Mm. Uh, genome sequencing now finished. It took scientists... 22 years to do it from the year 2000, by the way. That was when they said they did it. Uh The same people who claim we came from an accident, an explosion in the cosmos. Three billion letters and still going. What an amazing and wonderfully wonderfully created by an infinite all-knowing God. Will they ever have an excuse for their rejection of God? Interesting enough, it is pride that is holding them back. Satan had and has the same problem, the father of pride. I pray that... Will let they will listen to the Holy Spirit before it is too late. It is so true, and you know, as John was saying, 
They said they finished it in 2000. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't finish it in 2000. I, I thought they did. Yeah. I, I, I read the papers and like, oh, they finished it. No, they finished less than 2% of it, <laughs> which is the protein DNA, and they said, well, the rest of it's just junk. Oh. Which, you know, when you've got 98% junk DNA, that's got to be an evidence of evolution. Well, now they've found that every single piece of that DNA does something important. They've now mapped that, but only for women. Mm. Haven't done the male one. Well, an interesting thing that that I heard is that not only is the how, are they do they have the ability to sequence the entire human genome, or they they're gaining that ability, but it's also way cheaper than it ever was before. And so, in the future, there could potentially be the circumstance where people will sequence your genome. Say, if you apply for a job, and they'll be like, "Oh, if we know that this kind of genome." ends up with this kind of person, they could sequence your genome and be like, oh, no, you've got a genome that means you'd be late for work and miss lots of days of work because there's a difference. Yeah. So, so this, that's all a little bit scary. That it? is kind of freaky, but that's uh, <laughs> that's a future that we look forward to. Luckily, I'm coming. You know, come, they, you know they will weaponize this, right? This information will be weaponized. Oh, everything. You just said it. Everything, everything is, is weaponized. That's right. Luckily for me, I've come to working age at a time in which they're still, uh, they're still, they're still lagging. You'll be able to tell your grandchildren when I was back in my day. We just relied on personal merit. We just just had interviews. You'd go for an interview. (laughs) Now they're like, that's actually crazy. They just like take spit in the tube, spit in the tube, and then they know whether whether you have the ability to be good at work or not. It's nuts. That's kind of freaky-deaky. I think the important thing here is that if they did go down that particular path, the one thing they would be missing would be the converting powerful changing... The the converting converting power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Because how do you sequence that on the genome? Mm. And and also factoring in, like, a person's willpower and their their ability yeah. to make a decision that is at, at odds with their own desires. And you take somebody who's got no willpower and their DNA has come down from people, you know, from ancestors that have sort of really weakened that. There's a lot of, you know, physical abuse, substance abuse mm. in their history and in the, you know, in, in in their ancestors and so forth. They've come with all the disadvantages. Mm-hmm. You would get them to spit in the tube and like, yeah, I wouldn't hire this person mm. except that. The Holy Spirit can come along and they surrender their life to the Holy Spirit and suddenly they've got all the willpower in the world. Yeah, wow. You know, that's what that's what God does. And I've seen this happen over and over and over mm. again. And the power of the Holy Spirit to change a person's life regardless of their DNA, regardless of their genome, it's just unimaginable. Mm-hmm. That being said, yes. sequencing a genome getting uh, cheaper and cheaper and cheaper is a trend. Like yes. it's an exponential trend. Yes. Therefore, this is an industry with wind on its back. If anyone wants to get rich, just learn how to sequence a genome and sell it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's that's supervillain talk right there. That's like, yeah, we're going to cause this reality. Yes, but everything anyway. has been weaponized and everything has been monetized. That's right. Those things th- have been weaponized because they can be monetized. Those two things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Tell me something that hasn't been either weaponized or monetized. Yeah. That, Our number is 0491-064-669. I'm sure there's something out there. Just can't think of it off the top of my head. I'm mm-hmm. sure if I think of it, it will have it will have had been weaponized. I was trying to think like really individual, like 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 my 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 body itself, but that's also not true. Like like 
Feel, feelings, thoughts and feelings can be weaponized and monetized. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Genesis chapter 4 is where we are. Uh, let's not go to Genesis 4. Let's go to Genesis 3. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to pick up this story in Genesis chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look at some important... We're going to talk about the judgment today. Oh, okay. So we're going to go back in Genesis chapter 3 mm-hmm. and notice how God proceeds with the judgment. Uh, let's go down to... Let's go down to verse 8. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, the Bible says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. And verse 9, what does God do here? Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid, and I was afraid because I was naked. Okay, so this is going to be a sequence here. We're going to look at this sequence as we work through today's Bible study. Mm-hmm. What does God do? He calls out to them. He calls out and he asks a question, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Does God know the answer to this question? Yes. Then why is he asking the question? Uh, for their sake. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. He's asking that question for their sake. And also, you know, our world is... Watched by the whole universe, particularly at this point in our history, because we were brand new. Mm -hmm. So God is not asking this question for his sake. He's doing an investigation here, isn't he? Yes. He's conducting an investigation where he already knows the answer. Yep. But the purpose of it is not for himself. Mm -hmm. It's for the people and the universe. Wow. And it's so clear because investigations are all about asking questions. That's right. That's what he's doing. And so, you know, the, the, the man says, he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid I w- because I was naked and I hid myself. What does God do? He asks a question. He says, who told you you were naked? You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And so you find it in verse 11. What have you got for us in verse 11 there? He first asked the question, who told you you were naked? And the Lord God asked. And then he says, have you eaten from the f- tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit. And I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. And that's why I ate. Okay, we, we can stop and then we see the pronouncement. That's right. Then, mm-hmm. So then the judgment comes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so notice, notice that God is conducting an investigation here. Yes. When God says, where are you, mm-hmm. does he not know where they are? Like, no, he knows. He knows where they are. Mm. When he says, who told you you were naked? Does God not know how they found out they were naked? <laughs> yeah, of course, like he knows. When he says, have you eaten from the tree? Mm. Does God know that information? Yes. When he says um, to the woman, what have you done? Mm. Does God not know what Eve did? Yeah, of course he knows. God knows all of this. And this is one of the just the biggest, the biggest issue with the concept of the judgment, the investigative judgment that everybody misses. The whole Bible speaks about the judgment. Mm-hmm. You cannot read the Bible, particularly the New Testament, over and over and over and over and over again, the subject of the judgment comes up. Mm. And you find that in the judgment that everybody gets judged. Every single person gets judged. And so people who believed in, you know, for instance, once saved, always saved, or if they believe in... Universalism. Universalism, or if they believe in uh, predestination, mm-hmm. uh, Calvinistic predestination, that is, then... Uh, the judgment has no relevancy. It's like yeah, 
there's no purpose to it. All of those verses in the Bible that speak about the judgment are meaningless. That's right. Because not only, like, because we see here, it's like, why is God asking these questions? God is essentially, he is doing a, a bit of a charade, but for our perp- our, our yes. sake, right? Yes. He's going through the motions, but for, for our sake. Yes. So that we know, so that there's so transparency. we learn a lesson from it. That's right. For transparency from, from him to us, because God is so loving, so caring, and so transparent in, in that sense. Uh, we can uh, we can understand the judgment, and so he's leading us through the steps to understand. But if we believe in universalism, predestination, once saved, always saved, these kinds of things... Um, it doesn't only become a charade for God, it becomes a charade for everyone. Yes. And it's absolutely, as you said, purposeless. It's 100% purposeless mm-hmm. charade, mm-hmm. which is why so many people that are into predestination, that is in Calvinistic predestination or uh, into once saved, always saved, do away with the judgment altogether. Mm-hmm. They will either say there's no such thing or they will say, well, it only applies to those who are lost. Yeah. But even if it applies to those who are lost, what's the purpose of it? <laughs> You know, if God created those people in the first place so that he could condemn them to eternal Mm -hmm. hellfire, then what's the purpose of having a judgment? There is no purpose. Mm. But when you read here right at the very beginning, you find the purpose of the judgment and you find that this is not about God finding things out. Mm. This is all about God demonstrating to us and to the universe what has taken place. Yeah, and it ultimately reflects that his creation, whether angel, human, or any other type of creation, at at least what we can say, like, his creation that has, you know, well, okay, his creation that are made in his image, like humans are, have the capacity to learn, to change, to grow, um, and to make a decision. That's ultimately what it reflects. That's why you need a judgment. Judgments are all about decisions. Uh, Judgments are all about investigation leading to decision. And so he's ultimately demonstrating to us, like, he's asking these questions and he's giving us this judgment. It reflects our capacity to choose. Absolutely. Okay, so we've got somebody texting through to uh, to have a crack at finding something that has not been either weaponized or monetized. Oh, okay. The gospel. Ah, incorrect. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. But go read the text message here. Okay. Text message is from Braden. He Uh says, I first thought of the gospel, Uh but that has been both weaponized and monetized. Mm -hmm. But the true gospel message hasn't. Okay. If it has, it cannot be true. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gospel message. I I agree. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It's impossible for the true gospel message to either be weaponized or Monetized. I think that's because the true gospel message ultimately reflects like massive self sacrifice. Yes, uh, and, and which is which is the counter, complete counter to weaponizing or monetizing. That being said, um, the notion of self sacrifice very much gets weaponized and monetized. Oh, absolutely, uh, and that's called warfare. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. In that space, mm-hmm. and in a lot of other spaces, and we can also say suicide bombing by self sacrifice. Yes. Yeah, but in in the in the true, I, I agree with what he's saying. Like, well, anything that's I guess true, tr- truly noble can't be weaponized or monetized. You could say, like, it it can be, but then it, it loses its nobility. It's an it's, interesting thought. We could yeah. probably discuss it all day. <laughs> we kind of go well done, Brad. Well, well done, Brad. Well done. Well done. 
Okay, so we've got this example here where God asks a whole bunch of questions that he knows the answers for, and that's what the judgment is all about in heaven. Mm-hmm. It is all about God asking a bunch of questions that he knows the answers for, mm-hmm. but that the universe doesn't. Mm-hmm. The, the judgment in heaven is not for God. Mm. It is for the universe. Wow. Because God can read a person's mind, he can read a person's heart, he knows whether a person is saved or lost, and God could sit up in heaven and pass judgment and say, those people over there are saved, those people over there are lost, and the universe, I know that you don't know that. You can take a guess at it. I know that you, I don't know that, I know that you don't know that, but I know it, so just trust me. And that's literally how people view God. It is. So many people. They're, so many. They're like, if we're saved or we're lost, and it's ultimately God's decision and because he's so good. And I'm like, well, then how can you say he's good? How can you know That's right. he's good? How do you know? And then it's like, how does love exist? That That is literally like the whole, as we're looking at here, the cause of sin mm-hmm. is is that Satan caused God's creations to doubt, da- God's creations, yep, to doubt whether they knew that God was loving. That's how it all began. That's right. And so for be, us... And it's right here. And, and this is what Satan does. He doesn't come out and straight out say, oh, God's wrong. He just insinuates doubt. Mm-hmm. Really? You're really going to not die? You know, what about me? I'm up in the tree. I'm touching the tree. I'm eating the fruit of the tree. I'm not dead. Yeah. He's insinuating doubt. Mm. And, and that's the thing. If we just absolutely affirm that God is good and that we have no room to, to question... Um, <laughs> like we have no room to, to prove that God is good, uh, which God wants to absolutely do. God absolutely wants to prove that he's good. But if we say, oh no, we just know that God is good and we, and we put God in this place where, where we believe that we just absolutely can't know him. Um, but we just need to believe he's good. Man, the, that opens a massive hole for doubt, uh, that can be exploited and ultimately it can ruin your whole picturing of, of the character of God. Indeed it can. And this is why the the judgment, the investigative judgment is so critical. This is why the Bible teaches it. This mm-hmm. is why it happens. That is because it is all about vindicating the character of God in this Amen. particular instance right here. Yeah, there were some things that the universe could see. Mm-hmm. But there was a bunch that the universe couldn't see. Yep. And this- the universe couldn't see. Why are they sewing fig leaves together? Mm. Why are they trying to cover their bodies? Mm. What's that all about? They've been naked before. They've, you know, they've never had clothes before. Why do they suddenly want clothes? God understands why they want clothes mm. because he can read their mind. Mm. He sees the changes that have taken place in their mind. There's a whole bunch here that the universe cannot see. The purpose of the judgment is not for us, not for God. It is for us mm-hmm. and it is for the universe. Yep. All right, let's continue on here. Now let's go over to Genesis chapter 4. Okay. Verse 9 and 10. Let's see what happens over here. Genesis 4, verse 9 and 10. Genesis 4, verse 9 and 10. The Bible says, Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. God says, What? He asks him a question. He says, Where is, he asks Cain, Where is your brother? Does God not know this? Yeah, of course God knows this. Of course God knows this. It's the whole point, isn't it? It's the whole point. The whole reason that the investigative judgment takes place, Mm. the whole reason that it's important is because God knows. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, all right. It continues on. Uh, It says, where is Cain? Uh, Sorry, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? My brother's keeper. Guardian is... That is that is a like it's it's a true translation, but it just doesn't roll off the tongue quite no, the same. Am I my brother's keeper? But the Lord said, 
What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Okay, so he's murdered his brother. Mm. Uh, does God no- not know what Cain has done? Of course God knows. Of course God knows. Why is he asking this question? Well, it kind of drives it home to Cain, doesn't it? Mm. I've murdered my brother. I've killed him. But not only, only to Cain, we've been talking about the rest of the universe. I could imagine right. it's kind of like this scene where God turns back and looks at everyone and says, see what's going on here? Like, this, he's doing it for them. He's doing yes. it for all of his creation yes. to see clearly, like, this is what's taking place. That's right. So that they can see that God's response is appropriate and loving. And this is why you see these questions being asked in a court case today when, you know, people already know the answer. They will ask a whole bunch of questions that they know the mm. answer for because it makes a point to the jury and the universe That's is right. the jury. That's right. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Time for our 500-pointer. That's right. Let's see if you can figure this one out. All right, for 500 points, what collapse and killed 18 people in a news event that Jesus used to encourage repentance in Luke chapter 13. Okay. That is an intense story. It so is. So let, let me read that again. What collapsed and killed 18 people in a news event? Uh, so I'm thinking this is, you know, a big story of the time back it was in, a story of the in time. ancient Israel. What collapsed and killed 18 people uh, that Jesus used to encourage repentance in Luke chapter 13. Now, if you get that question correct, uh, you'll win our prize for today. It's actually sitting right here in front of me. It's not my, on my iPad. I've got the book, The Table I Long For, Learning to Participate in Mission and, F- and Family, in the Mission and Family of God by Sean Brace. Uh, this is a fantastic book all about, you know, getting a part, being a part of a church community um, and the things that, how you can be used by God to be a blessing to others. And of course, quick reminder, if you are a regular weekly church attender, we'd like to encourage you to test yourself, mm-hmm. rack your brains on mm-hmm. these quick questions. If you're not a regular church attender, uh, jump into the Bible, jump online, do some research, find the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we That's want to right. encourage everybody to be a studier of the Bible, and we find that people who attend church regularly are people who study their Bibles. Amen. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. Okay, so here we go. Let's go to Matthew chapter. Where are we going? Matthew chapter twenty-two. Twenty-two. We're going to start in verse two. Okay. We're going to read about the investigative judgment. Are we? Yes. When you read down through this passage, stop when you get to the investigative judgment. Okay. Verse two. Yes. Start in verse two. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his sons. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls have been fattened, cattle, uh, uh, the fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm and another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and even killed them. The king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their towns. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I have invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone else. So the servants brought in everyone they could, good and bad alike, uh, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to meet the the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing a proper clothes for the wedding. Friend, he asked. Oh, this looks, this sounds like. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, you start, getting, I, said, getting... I said stop when you hit the, when you hit the investigative judgment. You just hit it, didn't you? Yep. 
Okay, where did you hit it? Friend, he asked. Oh, it, it actually begins slightly before that. Oh, okay. Let me, let me, you're, you're absolutely right because you've got the question right there. Mm-hmm. But uh, notice what it says. Well, it depends how you want to argue this one, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, I might be splitting hairs. Mm-hmm. Verse 11, when the king came in to see the guests. Ah, uh, okay. Mine doesn't say that. Mine says meet the guests. Yes. So here it says that the king came in to see the guests, mm-hmm. and then it goes on and says he saw someone that did not have on a wedding garment. Mm-hmm. Now, at some particular point, his uh, bouncers at the door have let somebody through without a wedding garment. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the king is the only one who can see who has a wedding garment and who does not. Mm-hmm. Else, this person would never have been in the wedding in the first place. Yes. And so, when the king comes in to see the guests, what is the king doing? He is looking at the guests to see who has a wedding garment and who doesn't. Okay. That is a process of investigative judgment. And when he finds someone that doesn't have a wedding garment, what does he do? He asks a question. He does. He says in verse 12, he says, Friend, he asked, uh, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? Oh, yes. And keep going. And it continues on. So he asks this question. It says, the, but the man had no reply. Okay, so here's, here's the interesting thing. He has no reply. If if it was a situation where, you know, the rest of the universe, mm-hmm. because this is, this is a picture of the judgment, mm-hmm. could see that he wasn't wearing a wedding garment. Mm-hmm. He would have said, well, you know, uh, when I came to the door of the wedding, those people over there let me through. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the ones who sort of, you know, like, ah, oh, we're going to you know, give you a pass on this one. Mm-hmm. The reason he's speechless is because he can't point to anyone who let him in without a wedding garment because no one but God can see that he doesn't have a wedding garment. Mm. This is the investigative judgment taking place right here when the king comes in to see the guests and then asks the question, how did you get here without the clothing? Mm. And then the fact that he is unable to reply. If if the wedding garment was something that was visible, he would be able to reply. Mm. It's because it's invisible mm. to everyone but God that he cannot reply. And this is why God has a judgment, of course, in heaven, is so that when obviously you know the Bible goes on to say that he's bound hand and foot and taken away and thrown into out, out of darkness where there is weeping and washing, gnashing of teeth. And the reason that the Bible is able to say that is because God is able to demonstrate who's saved and who's lost in the investigative judgment to the entire universe. That's mm. the whole point of it. That's the purpose of it right there. Okay, so let's go back to the book of Genesis, and we're going to go back to Genesis chapter, uh, let me see here, chapter 6. Yeah, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 6, and I want you to notice with me verse 5 to 8, 5 through 8. All right, Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 5. The Bible says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought and imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart, and the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people and the large animals, the small animals, the scurry along the ground. And even the birds of the sky, I'm sorry that I ever made them. But oh. Noah found favor with the Lord. Yes. Okay, so here, what do we see taking place in verse 5 in particular? God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Mm. He observed in my Bible, he observed. which is a really good word. Mm. Did God need to come down here and have a look? 
No. He already knew this information, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He knows this information from the farthest reaches of the universe. He can see it in his mind's eye. But the Bible says that God came and had a look. Why is God coming and having a look? Because if he was in the farthest reaches of the universe and he said to you know the various members of the universe, you know, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood because they're incredibly wicked, it could create doubt. Mm-hmm. And investigative judgment is all about getting rid of doubt. And we, this is not the investigative judgment. This is just illustrations, microcosms, mm. examples of the investigative judgment and examples of the way in which God works. Mm. God already knows this, but what does he do? He comes and have a, has a look. Mm. He comes to see so that when he enacts judgment, as in the flood, the universe knows that he is not doing it without knowledge, Yeah, without very clear knowledge. God is outside of space and time, as we, as we know and believe, um, but then, you know, at times manifests himself within space and time to interact with his creation. And so I see this playing out as like he, in, he, he manifests himself within space and time as someone who is observing the earth and people can see. Um, and ultimately, like this is, this is, yeah, this is a blessing um, to those people who can see. They're like, okay, no, God actually did look. All right, so we've got a whole bunch of other examples that we could look at here if we took the time. You've got the same thing at the Tower of Babel. You've got mm. the same thing at Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. You know, the whole thing goes on and on and on. But we've got a couple of text messages that I want to read here. Um, Kim says, love will never be allow itself to be monetized or weaponized. Agree or disagree? Valentine's Day. <laughs> okay, let me read it again because uh-huh. I misread it uh-huh. purposely. Uh-huh. True love will never allow itself to be monetized or weaponized. Sure. And you can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. What is interesting is that the most powerful thing to be weaponized and monetized is also the one thing in its true form that can't be. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. We've also got another one here. This one is from uh, Braden. Satan's deceptions are perfected to our specific weaknesses, makes it so vital that we rely on God rather than our own strength. The world, Satan, says to look after yourself. God says, turn to me, rely on me. I know where I will put my trust mm. in God. That's wow. Brayden. Well done. Thank you, Brayden. Praise God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We are going to have answers for our quiz questions. All right. Some answers for the quiz questions. Firstly, for 100 points, the answer was famine. For 200 points, the answer was dust. 300 points, the answer was seven. For 400 points, the answer was Greeks. And for 500 points, the answer to which tower, well, which thing collapsed, uh, it was a tower. So uh, that was all of the answers to the quizzes. But right now it is time for... Question of the day. All right, so our question of the day is this. It comes from Raphael, and he just asked, God makes skins for Adam and Eve. Was Adam required to kill the sheep himself? Okay, so this is a really good question. All we've got when we read the Genesis account is that Adam and Eve obviously clothed themselves with fig leaves. Now, that's going to last, what, all of half an hour before they fall off and fall apart and are gone. God understands that they are experiencing shame now that they have sinned. That shame did not exist before. And as a result of that, they want to cover their bodies. There's a, a natural inclination for them to cover their bodies because of the shame that exists within them. And in some ways, it's a form of, you know, they're hiding, they're hiding from God. And God, 
recognizes that and he's like, okay, those those fig leaves are not going to last very long. And so then God chooses to give them a different form of clothing. What is interesting is the form of clothing that God chooses for them because there are many, many different forms of clothing that God have, could have chosen. God could have chosen silk. He could have chosen cotton. He could have chosen polyester. Certainly hope he wouldn't have done, but he could have done that. You know, these are all different fabrics that God, there are so many different fabrics that God could have chosen. He could have taken a sheep and used the wool from the sheep to create clothing for them. But God did none of those things. The Bible says that he clothed them with skins. And there's a very important lesson right here, and that is that right at the very beginning, God says, yes, I will take the curse upon myself, I will die in your place so that you can live eternally, so that you can have the promise of the resurrection. I will come and live and die for you. But at the same time, you need to understand what has just taken place. You need to understand what the result of sin is. And this is what sin does. It causes death. And as a result of that, multiple animals die. Now, do we know that they were a sheep? No, we don't know that they were a sheep. Uh, Why would the question say that? I think there's a very good assumption that it would be a sheep. And the reason for this is that this was the sacrifice that was required by God for the sin offering. Mm. Uh, You go on to the story of Cain and Abel, and instantly you have Cain and Abel bringing a sacrifice for the sin offering, and Cain is bringing a sheep, and that is what is recognized by God. And that's what you then find throughout the rest of the Bible, is that the, the lamb is a symbol of Jesus Christ. It begins in Genesis chapter 4, but it probably begins in Genesis chapter 3. So the logical conclusion would be that a sheep or multiple sheep have died to provide the skins necessary to make the clothing for Adam and Eve. The next thing that we have to ask ourselves is, okay, who takes the life of these animals? When you study the biblical model, it was the responsibility of the oldest male in the home to be the priest. That's Adam in this case. He's the only male on earth. It was his responsibility to be the the priest. It was his responsibility to offer sacrifices, and he would often do that on behalf of his family. You find that, you know, with Job, with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, etc. They offer on behalf. This was the priesthood of the firstborn, which predated the Levitical priesthood. And under the priesthood of the firstborn, it was Adam's job to offer a sacrifice. When an individual sinned, it was their job as an individual to offer sacrifices, which is why you have Cain and Abel bringing their sacrifices. And so when we look at that story of Cain and Abel, well, when we look at the story of Adam and Eve, first of all, it would be appropriate to assume that Adam had to step up, man up, and take the life of that sheep. Now, there are different levels in how we react to taking another life. And the closer something is related to us, the harder it is. So insects, they're a long way from us. We don't find that hard at all. We squash them in a second. Uh, Fish are a little bit closer, and there are a lot of people who recoil from taking a fish, dragging it out of the water and cutting its throat while it flips. But it's still easier to do that than to take a knife, for instance, and say, take the life of your pet dog. That's really hard. And so the closer something is to us, the harder it gets, which illustrates two reasons why Cain's sacrifice was a problem. First of all, it wasn't close to him. And second of all, it wasn't the sacrifice that God had asked for. Sometimes we can look at Cain and go, like, well, he's bringing something that was special for him. Yes, but it wasn't close to him. He was avoiding the pain that comes with sin. He was avoiding the whole point 
of why a lamb was to be brought, and he wasn't bringing the symbol. He wasn't showing that sin brings death. And uh, we've come to the end of the show, Lyle. We have. But don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.